ones and the school teachers and faculty of our local schools a hand. Let me go ahead and tell you where it is we're going with this message today. Now, don't get too excited. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get out of church early. Amen? <laughs> I know Methodists like that. But here's where we're going with the message today. At the center of our faith is Jesus. You already knew that. But sometimes we... Forget that. We're going to spend the next two Sundays talking about Jesus being at the center of our faith. Isn't that a unique idea? A church is going to talk about Jesus, but that's what we're going to do for the next two Sundays and see how he is at the very center of our faith. Sometimes we forget that, that it's Jesus that it's the center of our faith. It's interesting the testimonies that, that I hear that are often well-intended but the testimonies often sound like the Christian faith is some kind of self-improvement program. The testimonies will sometimes go like this. I used to do this bad stuff and, and that bad stuff, and my life was really tough and horrible. But Jesus motivated me to go forward, and I looked at his shining example, and I tried harder. I really worked at it, and I made myself better. So now I'm exactly that. I'm better now. Amen. And that's what the testimonies sometimes sound like, that the Christian faith is some type of self-improvement course, as if I'm right by God because I made myself better. I started this, and by great effort, I stopped that. And because I did that, because I did it, now I'm right before God. Hard to explain why we need Jesus if... My strong effort is what's at the center of our faith. But sometimes we sound like that. Sometimes we forget that our faith is all about one thing, and that one thing is Jesus. About 10, 15 years ago, there was this guy that first came on the scene in the infomercial world named Sean T. He was selling this exercise program for about $100. You could get multiple discs and uh, in the privacy of your own home, you could pull muscles and hurt yourselves in many different ways doing what he asked you to do on these DVDs. And it was a good system. It was a very intense system. The name of the system is called Insanity. And across these infomercials, they would have these people, his clients on there. There would be, of course, the before and after pictures. They would also, these clients, offer testimonies to Sean T's insanity system. And they would all sound about the same. You know, here's where my life was before, but Sean motivated me. Sean got me to do more than I thought I could do. And look at me now. Sean motivated me, but I did it. When you ordered your DVD set, the Insanity Program, they would send you a T-shirt that had on it, I earned it. We sometimes talk about Jesus that way. As if Jesus is our spiritual Sean T. 
that he's our motivator, he is our good example, and if we just try hard and really, really work at it and follow Jesus' example, then we too can be right with God because we earned it. Jesus motivates us, but we really do it. We pull ourselves up and make ourselves better and make ourselves stronger, and that's what it is that makes us right with God. Jesus inspires me, but I do the work. Peter was invited to go to the home of Cornelius. Interesting the way this played out. Peter was invited to go to Cornelius' house to speak to a group of Gentiles. Those were non-Jewish folks. To speak to a group of Gentiles about Jesus. They wanted to know more about Jesus. So they invited Peter to come. Peter, as well as many of the earliest leaders of the mother church there in Jerusalem, really thought that Jesus didn't want anything to do with the Gentiles. He came to save the Jewish folks. So Peter went. I don't know how much he expected to happen. But Peter knew as he went to this house, to Cornelius' house, full of Gentiles, waiting to hear about this Christian faith, about what following Jesus was all about, Peter knew he had one shot to share the essence of the Christian faith with what he perceived to be this unlikely audience. So he proceeds to tell them the heart of the faith, what it is, to set the center of our faith. Your scripture lesson that Jennifer read for us earlier is a portion of Peter's message to this group of Gentiles in the home of Cornelius. He describes what it is to set the center of the faith. Now listen to what he does not say. Peter does not say to this gathered crowd, okay, you want to know what following Jesus is all about. Okay, here it is. Look at my life. I was really bad before. Now I'm good. And because I'm good now, that's what makes me right with God. He does not say that. Instead, he says, here is the center of the faith. Jesus died. He rose again. And therefore, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Notice he did not say that everyone who believes in Jesus overcomes their sin or gets it all right going forward. No, he says everyone who believes in Jesus is forgiven for all their brokenness for whatever it is they haven't become yet. That's what it is that's at the center of our faith. At the center of our faith is all about what Jesus did for you and for me. It's not about Jesus serving as some example that if we work hard enough and put away enough good stuff and take bad, put away enough bad stuff, I'll get this right in a minute, and take on enough good stuff that we then too will be right with God. No, that's not what he said. That if we believe in him, we're right with God 
Not because of what we have overcome or haven't overcome, but because we're forgiven. Until we get this right, that the center of our faith is not so much about what we do, but far more about what Jesus did for us. That's why he has the name that's above every name. But until we get that, religion can feel like a chore. Living out our Christian faith can feel like walking through knee-deep mud. Hard to find the joy in it. When I was running track in high school, sometimes our track coach would take us out to one of the area beaches, and we would run a mile in knee-deep water. I didn't have to go out into the water as far as some of the others did to get to the <laughs> But enough of my sad story. But we would run a mile through knee-deep water. Can I share with you and can I get a witness that it's hard to find joy when you're running a mile in knee-deep water? But that's what living out our faith can feel like when we're trying to earn our way and when we're trying to, to, to get there because of what we do, because we get good enough. Romans 3, being right with God has now shown up apart from the law. But we get it through faith in Jesus. Until we get that, it's hard to know the joy of standing in the presence of what Jesus has done for you and for me. I used to hate to go to district pastor's meetings when I was a new pastor. There was nobody there in the district that I knew. I was the only one my age in the room. I didn't know anybody. And these other folks already knew each other. I used to, I used to not like to go to district pastor's meetings. And by the time the meeting was done, all was said and done, more was said than done, and, and then would just go back home again. Well, I got to know other folks in the district. I got to know Skip and Tim and, and other folks and, and Milton and, and other folks that were serving in the district at the time, and I would get to go see them. Don't know that the meetings themselves are much different, but I used to love going because Tim would be there and Skip would be there and other folks that I knew would be there. I used to love to go because I would get to see people. Now, back before I got to know the folks, I would go to the meetings out of obligation. I was supposed to go. They told me to go. I was supposed to go, so okay, I'll go. Once I got to know the folks... I didn't go out of obligation anymore. It was a joy to go because I got to see people that, that knew me, people that actually, you won't believe this, but people that actually missed me if I wasn't there. It became a joy then going to the meetings. Until we get... <clears throat> that we go to church, that we pray, that we read our scriptures, not because we have to, but because we get to. Because we stand in the presence of a grace and a love that goes beyond all telling. That makes it a joy. We run towards those things. And that begins with seeing what Jesus did for me. I go to church not to get God to love me, I read my Bible not to get God to love me. 
I say my prayers not because it gets God to love me, but because he already does. And so therefore, doing all those things becomes a great joy because I stand in the presence of a love exactly like that. Romans 5 says that in this we know the love of God. This proves God's love toward us. That he died for us while we were yet sinners. We don't have to make him love us. Can't make him stop loving us. That makes us run towards him in joy. At the center of our faith is not that we got to try harder and, and then maybe God will love us and then maybe we'll, we'll have, have it all right and, and we'll be on God's team then. No, at the center of our faith is what Jesus did for you and for me. Because he died in my place, I'm forgiven. There's joy in that. Do you hear it? Though I don't have it all right yet, I am forgiven. There's joy in that. Do you hear? I find myself wondering as I was reading over today's scripture, Peter's message to the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. I find myself wondering what was going through Peter's mind as he was deciding what to say, as he was delivering this message to this most unlikely audience. It doesn't say, but if you'll forgive my just wondering about this, I wonder if it might not have been this. I wonder if his mind drifted back to a Thursday night when he could not believe the words that were coming out of his own mouth. And even as he was saying the words, I'm sure he was hoping beyond hope that maybe it was somebody else that was speaking the weird words his ear was hearing, but no, the voice was his. As Peter was saying, I don't know him. Doesn't get much worse than that. Peter remembered that Jesus forgave him even for that. Now he stands before this audience in the home of Cornelius. He has one shot, one shot to share with them the heart of the Christian faith. He doesn't tell them how much better life will be if we follow Jesus. Sometimes it gets harder. He didn't tell them that Jesus is this great motivator that if they follow his example and work harder and try more, that they too could be right with God, that they could make something of themselves. They just try more. No. Peter doesn't tell them any of that. It says that all who follow, who believe in Jesus, receive forgiveness because of Jesus. Because he died for you. That 
is what is at the very center of our faith. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, all God's people together said,